Hey, let me take this opportunity to welcome a new sponsor to the Dave Logan Podcast. We're really excited that they're on board because they love playing sports just about as much as we do. And we're talking about Volo Sports, Denver's best social sports league and the largest in the U.S. Maybe you've just moved to town. You want to meet new people, looking for new people to hang out with or get that workout in and have a great time doing it. You can do it all with Volo Sports. With Volo, you can play volleyball, basketball, pickleball. I haven't tried that yet. Flag football and much, much more. You can play in a league for six to eight weeks or you can get the Volo Pass, which gives you the flexibility to play a variety of sports and do so on your own schedule with unlimited pickup games, league drop-ins, and tournaments. It's a great option for those of us with busy schedules. And I don't know about you, but our schedule's starting to get real busy. And something else we'd like to mention. Volo, when you play with Volo, you're helping create free youth programs in your community. Leagues you can volunteer to coach in. So it's easy to sign up to play. Just go to Volo, V-O-L-O, sports.com, or the Volo Sports app for more information on all of the sports available. Once again, go to Volo, V as in Victor, O-L-O, volosports.com, to get in the game. This week... On the Dave Logan Podcast, the Broncos get better. The physicality of the offensive line was better. I thought the get-off up front was better. They ran the ball more efficiently. And how about Javante Williams? I mean, I found myself rooting for that kid so much and also kind of holding my breath. They lose preseason game number two, but who cares? So I think all in all, it was a successful night. This is the Dave Logan Podcast. And welcome to Dave Logan Podcast, podcast number 179. Dave Logan, Julie Brownman with you. We thank you again for uh, for downloading, for listening. Bronco season, uh, two preseason games in. Did you see the second one in Santa Clara? I did. I was up in Winter Park and I made my friend Gail watch it. She's not you normally. You made a- your friend Gail watch it. Yeah. Is Gail not a football fan? Uh, That's a no. No. And it's like preseason I had to That's explain like, the but whole that thing. is so foreign to me. I don't even know how you could exist in life in the universe and not I mean, honest to goodness. I know they're out there. Yeah. And I'm I'm only kidding at least a little bit. This is like, I don't know, fifty two percent of me kidding. Mm-hmm. But I don't even know how you can exist in life without being a football fan. How does that work? Well, she grew up in the South. So we Well then she up, should be a football fan. Well, college. Yeah, I don't know. But I mean she's a gamer. Like she'll as I was explaining, she was interested. She plays games? Like what she's do you mean? a gamer. Like, you know, when you're like you're a baller, like she she'll she'll oh, get okay. into things. Okay. She, her first comment though was where are their panty lines? Wow. Yeah. Wow. How good a friend is this? <laughs> a great friend. Yeah. All right. But but so I was explaining to her the whole thing. I was surprised. So the Broncos lose 21-20. I was surprised that we only saw Russell Wilson. Oh, are you are, seriously? Are you on this too? Yeah. I mean, seriously. A bit. Oh. Well, wait a second. That's not a bad thing. I wanted to see more of him. Okay? Yeah. Why are we why are we fighting? I don't know. I mean, we're not fighting. We just <laughs> we just we what just look at we have we have different worldviews. Right? right and wrong. Right. Yeah. Wrong. Well, in this case. Um <laughs> No, I, I I think he had a good series, first series. I don't know. Maybe, maybe hey, listen, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe the fact that he put Jared Stidham in for a, a, a few plays, handful of plays, a couple handfuls of plays with the number ones, that means that the you know 
there's something going on between Russell and Jared Stidham. I mean, I, I see, I just don't think any of that is true. And I think he just, I mean, Russell ran a lot in that first series. So, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't shocked to see Stidham come in with, with the number one guys still in the game. I really, now, could you make the case, I guess, if you're trying to be completely fair that, hey, Russell needs all the work he can get? Okay. Um, but that first drive was, was pretty good. I know they didn't get in. And I know they had settled for a field goal, but I think it was a 12-play drive. And Russell made a lot of plays in that drive with his feet, which we didn't see him do at all until late, late in the season last year. I mean, he almost refused to run when things would break down, which is one of his, I think, most outstanding traits that he exhibited in his 10 years in Seattle. And then he came here to Denver, and for who knows, whatever reason or reasons, he just couldn't or didn't run. But against the Niners, I, I thought he tucked the ball when the opportunity presented itself and so I don't know. Maybe I maybe I should look at it differently. Maybe there's something there, but I don't think so. Okay, at, I'm at figuring all. this out. You think that I think that there's something there that he put the second string quarterback because he's not a believer in Russell Wilson. That wasn't it. I just wanted to see more of Russell Wilson because what I like what did Gail what he, want. <laughs> uh, more wine. Yeah, okay, I mean, <laughs> I mean at least you're being honest about it. Yeah. Probably more wine. More wine I, and more penny wines. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny that that was her yeah. first question. She's like, you need to ask Dave what where the panty lines are. Yeah. Do we I, I just Yeah, listen, I pass on that one. Yeah. Um, I know we should. Yeah, um, okay, if you want if you want to see more, I guess. Okay. I get that. Did he check the box because there were some boxes I thought that he checked that I kind of wanted to see. I was curious if if he checked the boxes that, that what, you, what did what did he check for you? Well, he ran the ball for 17 yards. That yeah. was kind of that was um I thought he was a uh bit bit more accurate i mean there were so many times last year dave that when he was throwing i was like who are you throwing to there's not even a guy in the screen what's happening or there were there were maybe some misreads so i was yeah like because they didn't get a touchdown but i i enjoyed what i saw so i guess i just wanted to see a little bit more of it i i I think the the single biggest area of improvement for me from mm -hmm. an offensive standpoint was the offensive line i thought they got after san francisco a little bit and I know again, and I, don't, you know what? I'm going to heed my uh, my words. I don't put a hell of a lot of stock in preseason games, but you can see from game to game improvement if the same players are playing from week one to week two. And I thought the the physicality of the offensive line was better. I thought the get off up front was better. They ran the ball uh, more efficiently. There were there were. There were holes. I mean, there was a bit of room to run, uh, certainly more than in in uh, in Phoenix. So that that to me was the was the key. And I think seeing Javante Williams and I got, I got to tell you, calling the game. Um, I mean, I found myself rooting for that kid so much, and also kind of holding my breath. Mm, yeah, you know, just to make sure after he got knocked down the first couple of times, all right, is he getting up? Is he is he getting back to the huddle? Does he look like he's okay? Um, there was one pass play that he caught a screen and he was facing the quarterback, and I could see as I'm watching the ball, I could see you know a, a the color jersey coming into view, and I'm thinking that's what you don't want when where he cannot see the you know somebody that's going to hit him and maybe hit him low. But um, I thought I thought he was a little hesitant at first. But I thought he sort of 
weaned himself into it. And I think all in all, given the fact that he tore an ACL and other ligaments in his knee week four of this past season, I mean, how far this kid has come after that kind of reconstructive surgery is nothing short of amazing to me. And he, uh, you know, had 12 touches, 11 touches, whatever he had, and got out of there okay. So I think all in all, it was a successful night. Yeah, he pretty much said I wasn't. He wasn't looking for statistics for him no. to have a. He just said I just needed to get out there and get tackled again. Yeah, that was a huge weight, and I'm sure, you know, you think about what you saw Tim Patrick again, and and he, I can see why. And plus, he's such a Javante, uh, such a hard runner. I see why you feel like that because shit happens to guys that it shouldn't happen to, and he's yeah. he's worked so hard to come back. Hey, let me uh, take a moment and welcome a new sponsor to the podcast. Really happy to uh, introduce Steel, the number one maker of chainsaws in the U.S. And by the way, just so you know, they make a ton of more products than just chainsaws, like gardening tools, trimmers, blowers. But I want to talk specifically about my brand new battery-powered chainsaw. Man, I am dangerous with this thing. It's the new MSA 220C. Oh, man. It's definitely not your old-school, clunky, heavy chainsaw, right? I remember when I first picked up the old-school chainsaw back when I was about 14 years old, and I'm thinking, what in the world? This thing, by the way, it's lightweight, it's easy to handle, but still has more than enough power to get the job done. It's a rear-handle, battery-powered chainsaw, so no mixing fuel, which is great, and no struggling to get it started, which is even better. Just drop the battery in, and it's ready to go. The MSA 220C is one of the most powerful battery-powered chainsaws in the steel line, so it can take on just about any cutting task with ease, and I can't impress enough on you how lightweight it is. I actually was out, and this is not something I do all the time, but I trimmed a few tree branches around the property line, easy as can be. And I'll tell you this, if I can do it, I promise you every single person listening to this podcast can do it. I'm just being honest about it. So where do you get one, you ask? Great question. You can buy your products online at Steel, that's S-T-I-H-L-U-S-A.com. And they're going to be ready for you to pick up at your local dealer. You can still rely on your local authorized dealer for hands-on assistance and great deals if you'd like to. So where do you get one? Excellent question. You can buy your products online at Steel, S-T-I-H-L-U-S-A.com, SteelUSA.com, and they'll be ready for you to pick up at your local dealer. You can still rely on your local authorized dealer for hands-on assistance and great deals. And if you want to check out some products, that's the place to do it. Just enter your zip code online, and you can see all the local retailers near you. That's Steel, S-T-I-H-L-U-S-A.com. You know, the best part about summer may not be the 95-degree weather, although I kind of like that. But it certainly is hanging out on your patio with family and friends, because who doesn't enjoy that? Nothing like a Colorado night to enjoy the last bits of summer, and to do it with your favorite beer, wine, or spirit from Molly Spirits. Man, I love this place. As we know, Colorado may well be the home of crafted beer, and Molly's is a spot to always find your favorites and to try something new and you know molly's is the perfect spot to pick up those ready-to-drink cocktails like high noon's vodka and soda pineapple flavor it's made with real fruit juice or how about trying Cutwater's vodka iced tea or lime margarita they all sound good to me do me a favor go to mollyspirits.com and head to their beer tab did you follow me mollyspirits.com 
Head to the Beer Tap. That's where you're going to find thousands of different beers from IPAs, ales, lagers, pilners, and stouts. I mean, everything you can imagine at all different price points. It's truly a beer connoisseur's paradise. Same thing for wine and spirits. And Molly's always have staff picks listed in the store to help you make your selection. I use those, by the way. And somebody's always available in the store to answer any question you might have as well. And that's truly the difference between Molly's and some of those big box liquor stores. Molly's takes pride in that one-on-one service. So do yourself a favor. Head to one of their two locations, Lakeside location at 44th and Harlan, or the DTC location, which is in the Arapaho Marketplace next to Sprouts on the west side of I-25. Molly Spirits, a land of adult beverage discovery. Right now, though, who would you have start the running game? Because everybody kind of is, has popped a little bit in preseason for as much as they can. Yeah, I, I, honestly, um, I, I don't think it matters. I think what matters in the first three or four games is to settle in on a rotation. And you go into a game and... You know, let's say you want to run the ball in an NFL game. You want to run the ball. We, we hope to get between 25 and 33 runs. All right. Then you've got presumably you have two backs and maybe with Jaleel McLaughlin, maybe, maybe you've got a third back mm-hmm. and you've got to carve out a nice little package for him, whether it's uh, running the football or catching the ball in the screen game. But if you're going to say 33 carries and then you divvy up between two, maybe three backs in terms of how many touches each guy gets. And, and each guy will have uh, strengths and minuses. And some, some of the runs in that system, Samaje may be more comfortable and the coaching staff may like him better. Some, Javante, same thing. He might be more comfortable. Some, Jaleel, may be the guy that you want to you get the ball to. So I, I, don't, it, I, I know it matters for players. I know it does. But... I wouldn't be too concerned about who starts against the Raiders or the Commanders or week three in Miami or week four in Chicago. And then they kind of let this thing play out. <clears throat> and honestly, I think they'll develop um, – that, that will develop on its own. It'll be pretty clear to the coaching staff at that point, if, if it's not clear by week one. So it sounds like this year's going to be running back by committee. For, for sure it is. Okay. For sure it is. I mean, that's – Sean's – I mean, I think Coach Payton has done that his entire career, right? I mean, he did have Alvin Kamara, which was a guy that you could feature in the in the passing game as well as the run game, but he also had Mark Ingram or he had Reggie Bush. He always had two guys, kind of the two-headed monster in the running attack. And again, I'm not sure what they're going to do with um, McLaughlin, but to me, and he had a 40, what was that, a 48-yard kickoff return? Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, he, you know, I, I, he didn't ask me, but he's got to make the team. So who's he competing with? Is he competing with a third back, a guy like Tony Jones, who's a bigger back? And, and I think Coach Payton likes big backs, and Jones is 225 pounds. Is he competing with Montreal Washington for the kick return job? Um, but he's a guy that has shown a real ability when he gets his hands on the ball to make something happen. And they don't, they don't have a guy uh, currently that I know of with his skill set. Not like that guy. What coach doesn't like a utility guy? A guy that – I don't think you can coach 
based on fear of injuries. But I think he gives you a better option if somebody on special teams gets hurt or a back gets hurt. I mean, you, it seems like you well, he's got a, your third back has to be a special teams guy. Yeah. So, so is he McLaughlin, a better special teams guy than McLaughlin would be really well served if he could be the kickoff return guy, right? It, it, he's had he's had a good preseason. He's had some dynamic plays. He's had some short runs that when all the other teams, which they do. Look at every single game. When they look at the Broncos' two preseason games, you know, f- people that understand football are going to see that guy and say, hey, run that back. And they're going to see that movie made against the Cardinals where you've got an unblocked safety right in the hole and he just shakes and makes him pretty much miss. That kind of stuff doesn't happen. So my point is he may have been good enough that you're not going to be able to sneak him through waivers and then re-sign him on the practice squad. He could, so when we talk about the last preseason game, could he, he's going to probably get more playing time than Javante would, right? Or like he's going to have the time to prove, to make this decision for them. Not that he's competing against Javante, but he's going to have a lot more playing time than maybe he has in the first two games, right? Well, I mean, you would think so. It's, it's hard. You know, you can't get in, and, uh, they're not, they're not saying too much out there. They're not telling us too many things. So it's hard to really get in the head of Sean Payton. Any staff in terms of what what they're thinking, um, but I I would guess so. Maybe he knows right now, in terms of that running back room, who he's keeping. And if you know who you're keeping, does that affect who you play in the third and final preseason game? Maybe. You mean you don't play? That well, person, so I see. I don't hurt. know. I mean, I th- you know, I I know I've known of coaches that sort of look at that. Uh, both ways, either way, I guess I should say. If I, if I if I know I'm keeping that guy, he's been good enough. I'm going to keep him, and I and I know I can't sneak him through, cut him, and then expect him to be there to sign. Uh, that somebody else probably would pick him up. And then you analyze every single team. What's the running backs need of every single team? And if you come down to maybe three three teams are going to be looking at running backs, three or four, and then you've seen that guy, and he's got such a unique skill set. I mean. Or, or as a coaching staff, do you really believe the skill set is as unique as I do broadcasting the games? You know, I don't see this kid in, in meetings. I don't see I me. Mean, I don't know. So there's a lot of things for that staff to judge a player on in training camp. And we only see the games and, and some of the practice stuff. But based on what I've seen in practice and in those two games, He's a, he is a dynamic, young, small, undrafted college free agent. And he's not going to make much money by NFL standards. So, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't have any idea whether he plays a lot uh, come Saturday night against the Rams or they say, hey, we've seen enough. Mm-hmm. We know you're going to be with us come Raiders game. You know, you've heard me talk about my friend Dan Kaplis before, and now we are really excited to welcome Dan as a new sponsor to the Dave Logan Podcast. Dan Kaplis Law is a serious firm for serious cases, and I can tell you this a lot more. Dan has been practicing law for over 35 years. He's a passionate guy, and he's passionate about making sure his clients get the highest level of quality for their legal representation. We all know there are countless lawyers out there, and you've got plenty that you can choose from. So you might ask, what makes Dan a little bit different? You know, Dan is a man who believes in inherent dignity and values human life. 
And sometimes our, our world is so crazy, there seems to be a lack of respect for a lot of things, including human life, and especially when it comes to reckless driving. Dan has had a long and distinguished track record of making sure those reckless drivers and their insurance companies do the right thing, and that is to pay in full. And Dan is committed to helping people from all walks of life. He accepts righteous injury cases on a percentage fee basis without regard for the ability to pay. You don't hear a lot of personal injury lawyers talk about that. Finally, if you just look at his proven results over 35 years, log on to dancaplislaw.com and you can see all the cases that Dan has won with the best possible results for his clients. Now, if you need Dan's help, give him a call, 303-770-5551. Again, 303-770-5551, or you can go to dancaplislaw.com. So talking about how much playing time you give guys, do you think one of the reasons that, I'm getting back to Russ, that maybe he only played one series is that we did see him run for 17 yards, we, which w- had to make everybody excited. He felt more comfortable getting out of the pocket, which is what I think people wanted to see more of. That that Peyton was like, all right, we saw what I needed to see. Why would we even risk it's preseason? Even though he sounds like he really wants to win these preseason games more than anybody else. Yeah, I would say it's not so much you know being concerned about Russ from a physical standpoint. I think, and again... Sean Payton didn't tell me this, but my guess would be that he wanted Russ to end on a positive. That was a good drive. Mm -hmm. Russ made several plays. You can say, well, he was three of six. Okay. All right. And, uh, but to me, he took a step in the right direction by his willingness to stay in the pocket, climb the pocket, stop trying to get outside right or left. And, you know, you kill your tackles. When you do that, because they're setting, the, they're setting, and you're running, you know, you're, you're going to make them look bad. And then his ability to tuck the ball and run for a first down. That sort of play is one of the main things that made Russell Wilson so good in Seattle. It wasn't, he wasn't a prolific pocket passer like Drew Brees or like Peyton Manning, but he was a guy that if things broke down, and you could have all the receivers covered, and then here he goes. On a third down and nine, he runs for 14, and the drive continues. And mm-hmm. then they wind up going down and scoring. That that really was one of the uh, the, the huge things, I think, for Russ. So maybe, maybe Sean just said, hey, this is a good drive, and you want him to build some confidence. I, th- I do think that's one area, the mental aspect of Russell Wilson's game. When you had the kind of year he had last year, and you are ridiculed in, uh, locally, and you are ridiculed nationally. And I mean, you got people, you know, all sorts of people making fun of you. And it just was a horrible year. He had a horrible year. I mean, it does. I don't care how much money you make, or I don't care. It does affect your confidence. So, to me, if I had to guess, that's what I think Sean was doing. It's so interesting that you think you're probably right that Sean Payton is paying attention to that because do you think is he that fragile right now do you, like our i've coaches, never seen an athlete that was not not fragile and you can say well in the nfl peyton manning right? is he fragile is a- he absolutely fragile? was fragile absolutely i mean um there were things that i'm quite sure peyton had to deal with i mean when peyton was injured 
And, and you know what? When Gary Kubiak took him out of the game against the Kansas City Chiefs, that that was a huge moment. I don't I don't think based on play in a game, I don't think that had ever happened in Peyton's career. I mean, the the crowd was booing him. He'd thrown four interceptions. He just physically wasn't right. So then you have to rehab. You rehab quietly. You rehab where the crowd can't see you. Mm-hmm. You're spending all that time trying to get well to go back out into the arena, so to speak. So yeah, I mean, it's it's you, you can be the great one of the great players of all time, but but the conf- how you maintain your confidence level, it is always questioned when you a either play really poorly and have something happen that has never happened before, or B, you have some sort of catastrophic injury, and you have to come back. I mean, there are plenty of times, and Peyton was coming off that shoulder, I mean, that neck Mm -hmm. thing, where he couldn't even, he could hardly throw a tennis ball from here to the wall, right, when he first started. So, um, yeah, oh yeah, I think think confidence, I think confidence is really important at any level of any sport i think for russ for sure he would never tell you that he will never ever ever say no ever that doesn't mean he's not feeling it oh for sure you know he's never going to allow himself to express an introspective moment in a public way he's just that that would be my take on doing his show now for the last year and two games and getting to know him a little bit. I'm sure he has them because we all have them, but I think he has his privately. He's he's not going to allow himself to be lured into with a question that he he would then have to reflect in an introspective way on maybe difficult times in his past. That's just he just doesn't allow himself to do that and hey listen maybe maybe he's better off maybe he's just got a, a, a strong constitution maybe it's like hey man i don't i just don't allow i don't think that way that's mm-hmm. not how i think and a lot of really successful people and successful high-end professional athletes that i've played with and been around and covered um they they all think that way they just do think he'd ever see a therapist would he ever see a therapist yeah Cause that all that would come. All I don't out. know. I you know what? Um, I don't know. You you'd you'd have to allow yourself to get to the point that you would agree to talking to somebody that you you felt it was necessary to do. Now, again, I, I I've known some guys that can do that, can get there. And I've known some that they they just don't give in to that. I don't know which one is healthier. I would suspect probably talking to somebody, uh, whether you know it's your partner or your wife or or a, a professional uh, person. I, I would think that would be helpful. But I I'm telling you, I've known guys I've known guys that play in the uh, that are in the Hall of Fame that never I've known I've known guys that aren't in the Hall of Fame. They never allow themselves. Because because they perceive that as weakness, yes, right? as a moment of weakness, and so they just they just don't allow themselves to go there. Yeah, I know some guys that we're not going to go total squirrel on this that literally say that. I personally think it's weak to 
have that stance in that if you need help, you need help. I understand. I think it's more of an embarrassment thing from the older generation. I think the newer generation. Oh, I, is, I, 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 yes, but I think the newer, the newer generation at that level, we're talking about, I'm talking strictly in this case about NFL players. Yeah. The, I think the new generation is very similar and I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying from a mental health standpoint, it would probably benefit them to talk to somebody, right? But I think the, I, I don't think there's, there's a lot of differences in my mind between the older generation of NFL players and the new generation, but that's not one of them. I think the new generation players that, I mean, there, there are plenty of guys that subscribe to that theory that, Hey, listen, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You know what? It wasn't a good day, but I will get that fixed. We're not, we're not going to dwell. I'm not talking about what happened today. I'm on to tomorrow. Let's go tomorrow. Yeah. My only thought on that is if Tony Soprano can go see a therapist, then certainly, you know. Yeah, but he was in love with the therapist, right? Yeah, well, that could happen. Well, yeah, seriously. He didn't book the therapist knowing she was hot. He went because he hit rock bottom, and she just happened to be. That was it, one of the great, great all-time so series. Good. I know. I told you I rewatched it. It's even better the second time around. Yeah. 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 And then the ending is just like. I still uh, can't get over the ending. And now. Uh, James Gandolfini is is We're not deceased, gonna be able to ask him. right? They're at the diner, and then they just fade to black. black. I thought somebody was going to come in and shoot him. I think that's what happened. Is that what happened? I why do, so. Why do you think that? that because that's I read very a, negative. Um, I wouldn't allow myself to feel that way if I were you. I read an article by the guy that wrote it because there were so many questions. People thought that their cable went out when it went to black. Like they're like, what happened? So years later, I forgot his name. He did an interview and he said the the we wanted people. The assumption is that they came in. And they just killed, killed them. all of them. Yeah, that was what they were going for. Wow. Okay. I know. I don't want to end the podcast. On that. Well, no. <laughs> God, no. I feel so bad right now. No, right. I, I want to rewind to the very top of the show. We talked about the offensive line, and I needed to follow up on like you feel like that offensive line progressed. I thought they get better. Okay. Are they going to be an asset for this team? Are they just going to be there? Are they going to be something that if they're not an asset be- for this team, that then. The Broncos are going to have a really tough time being I a playoff so. team. And Russ. And well, not. yeah, because I mean, it, it all, I mean, you hear the phrase all the time. It starts up front. Mm-hmm. That is so true at any level of football. I mean, you can't, you, you can, what they, we call trick and then a four letter word that's an expletive. You can trick blank them, you know, a couple of times, but you got to be able to line up and run it you can run it in a creative way you can have you can you know change the uh the eye discipline of the defense with motion and movement so they're not just sitting there looking um but ultimately you got to be able to run the ball and they went out and spent a lot of money on this offensive line Ben Powers left guard Mike McGlinchey who's hurt at right tackle um and so it doesn't have to be a finished product it can be something that's going to get better but I, I think the offensive line will be better. And I think it's, it goes without saying, you got to be able to run it in order for Russ to get into the play pass, which Sean, uh, likes a lot. And I think to, to force safeties to come down and have individual matchups you like outside and then yeah. use your, your tight ends. He's going to have two or three tight ends that he likes. So, but it, to me, it all starts the mindset and the, uh, at the line of scrimmage discipline with your offensive line. Last question. Oh, you got to go. So in this, the last preseason game against the Rams at home, 
we are looking for, because we're not going to look for the typical things. So besides running back, what are uh, one or other two other guys that you think are kind of make or break? Um, I, I think, um, you know, you, you always want to look at the edge pass rushers. I think Nick Benito has had, honestly, a pretty good camp. Uh, and I've said that uh, on both of the broadcasts. He's about 15 pounds heavier. He's He's been, I think, more physical at the point. He's always been a good athlete, good pass rusher at Oklahoma. But that added weight, I think, and, and this being his second year, uh, I, I think he's had a good – I think Jonathan Cooper has had a good camp, right? Um, it was interesting to me that Frank Clark played as much as he did against San Francisco. I – I'm not going to sit here and try to start something that I have no idea whether it's true or not. I don't know. But all I'm saying from a veteran player's standpoint, and he was out there a bunch of snaps, I, I would keep an eye on on that position, and I would keep an eye on Frank Clark. Um I, I just, I have no insider information. I don't know that he's in trouble. I don't know that he's not. I'm just saying, for a guy that's played that many years and you sign him, you know, as a, as a free agent to bolster the pass rush, for him to be out there as much as he was out there in the San Francisco game, that, that is a red flag for veteran players. So I think it's worth watching and see what happens. Okay. What are you watching these days? If you're not watching Sopranos again, football. That's it, right? Yeah, it's 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 football. <laughs> it's seriously. It's uh, going back and looking at some some tape from uh, uh, the 2019 uh, Coastal Carolina season because mm. it, I really like one of their RPO uh, schemes. It makes mm. a lot of sense. So it is it is like football. Football, football. And you know what? I know you love football. What you need to do is get Gail yes. off the wine and the panty lines <laughs> yeah. and get her liking. She doesn't have to love it like I do, uh-huh. but she, ha- she has to kind of like it. Because listen, I, I, I don't even know how to say it any more clearly than this. People start to look at you a little weird, Gail. <laughs> they look at you a little weird, Gail. If you just, if, uh, you know, if you just, you know, you don't really care about f- what's wrong with you. You have to hang around with Julie a little bit yeah, more. And let's friend. get this football thing going, Gail. Let's see, see if we can do that. See you next week. All right, boy.